All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the best podcast in Northwest Indiana, uh, self-proclaimed, of course, um, but really excited about this on the What Matters show today, talking to a guy who actually has uh, kind of started as a client of mine in my financial business and then uh, just kind of became, He's this guy's got one of the coolest jobs that most people would you just kind of look at and be like, what a neat job. Uh, so, and then just becoming friends, that kind of thing. So really excited to have him here. Perfect kind of influence, family man, all that sort of stuff. Uh, perfect for this show and our audience, that kind of thing. So uh, welcome, Jason. Hey, Jason Hayes. Thank you very much. Hey, excited to have you here. Uh, excited. So basically, you know, we I usually we just kind of start the conversation, talk a little bit about where did you grow up? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Bring us up to like where your life's at a little bit. Slowly, we'll kind of work through that. But where did you go to school? Like, did you grow up in Northwest Indiana or no? Nope. I was born and raised in Michigan. Okay. Um, my dad was a principal at my high school, like, which was kind of suck. That'd be weird. <laughs> like, for all <laughs> you people out there who think that, like, that'd be... Uh, Weird it is. And uh, so I grew up in uh, Harrison, Michigan until I was in, oh gosh, would have been like fourth or fifth grade. And then I moved up to this little town in the UP called Pickford. Okay. And my dad was the principal. And K through 12 school, I had like 15 kids in my class. K through 12 is a whole, yeah, all whole one building. school. No way. Yeah. Okay. But. They were like the most dominant little school in in sports at the time, and they were like back to back to back to back track champions, state champions, football champs, basketball champs, and from that like little early age, it was ingrained in like your soul that the whole town and everyone was going to be involved in pulling for the school and the kids to be like the best athletes around. It was like the most crazy environment. You'd never think that like coming that something so small could produce like so much, but like all these mega athletes were coming out of this tiny little school going to like D one football and track programs. Super elite athletic department (laughs) in like, I mean, I know the UP I've got friends in Marquette and some different areas up there. Um, I mean, that's a really tiny... If anybody fits a K-12 through in one building, that's a small school, yeah, period. Small. Yeah, yeah. Very small. And, and to think... So, I mean, they were really raising you guys to be, like, obsessed, competitive... Obsessed, competitive athletes. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it was nuts. I don't even know how to describe it, other than, like, when you'd go to, like, for, like, Friday Night Lights, like, you think about Texas, right? Yeah, yeah. And, like, in that particular time of my life, up there, in, like, the Eastern UP... There was like the whole town would come out. That was like that's what everyone did. Shops close it down, people run out, and it's like let's cheer on the boys. It's like varsity blues. And so right? yeah, like, it's, it's like, like the, yeah. Okay. And so like my dad is the principal, athletic director, and JV coach for the football team. Okay, so what sports <laughs> did you do? Because you clearly so, had to. I played. Every kid there was like a three sport athlete. Okay, it was like you because there wasn't enough kids. So so in the summer, you were all playing baseball. Okay. Like, that's what you did. Yeah. Because you're not going to just sit on your butt. Or you're working and playing some baseball, right? Little League. And then in the fall, it's football. 
Okay. In the okay. winter, it's basketball. And in the spring is track. In the long winter, because you're the, the UP. Long, <laughs> the UP. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And like that's how like it all started for me. Cause I was like just this like I was a, this tiny, awkward little boy who like was trying to <laughs> figure out his place. And I maybe was like a late bloomer, I think, because uh I don't know. I always felt like I was getting picked on all the time. Not just because my dad was a principal, but like kids is a small town, so I always had like these my teeth would come in all weird at first. Like, yeah. and so getting picked on wasn't so bad because I knew that like, well, you can pick on me, but you know, my dad's like the the boss. So sure. like <laughs> that gave me like just enough leverage to not like destroy my confidence level. So like, that's what I needed. And my brothers, since I was the oldest of four boys, my mom also taught at that same school. Oh my gosh, you so were surrounded. My, so I couldn't get away with anything. No. It was like it was like going to military school all the time. Because my dad was like always watching me to make sure I wasn't gonna like I don't know, do something to like upset him. Right. And then my teachers knew that they had all that leverage over me. And and at the same time, I was able to use that leverage to my advantage to like, you know, the older classmen that were like, you know, were always just intimidated enough not to like you know rip my underwear over my head right, yeah right right, <laughs> so, right haze you but not yeah. too bad and, <laughs> and so like well my dad because he was the athletic director and he was the principal of the high school like on the weekends when most kids are out like just running around in the backyard my dad would be like grab my brothers and i'd be like let's go to the gym and he'd open up the school and we'd go in there and like play hoops or lift weights or just screw around. Yeah. And he would just go up in his office and do whatever work he had to do just to tidy up. And my mom would enjoy the time off because dad had the boys and that's for what sure. we did. And so for years, that type of mentality just started to get ingrained in me. And as I started to get older into when I was in, um, I was a freshman in high school and I had already started to slowly break out of my like awkwardness shell of a body and start to like slowly start to become to who I'd later be. And so I was already highly competitive at that time. And so I had already started setting all these like JV track records. Oh, really? So I'd already set the, I'd already broken two of the JV um, track school records. Like what, what in track? 100 hurt, 100 meter hurdles. Okay. And um, the 400 meter dash. Okay. And so, and this is a freshman. And yeah. like, I'm feeling like I'm a big time now. I'm like, right. I'm now as a freshman, you weren't allowed to play varsity. Well, you could have, I guess, if I was a real stand-up, but I wasn't. As a freshman, it hardly ever And happens. it's clearly a competitive school. Yeah, so, sports, like, I was right? still playing, like, I was on the JV basketball team. I was a JV football team now because I was a freshman. And I was a on varsity track because track there was just varsity. If you were a freshman, you're on the varsity team. Uh. And so even though I was clearly not nearly as good as all the other guys that are taught me, it was the fact that I had all these – incredible athletes I was watching all the time. I mean, when I said that we were producing like these like high, there's like guys were getting scholarships out of this tiny little school to like central Michigan, Ferris state, Michigan state. 
getting pulled out of there for like football and track. And we're like, that's what you expected. Mm. Now you're like looking at that, like, and that was the expectation. And so, um, one day my dad comes home and he says, we're moving where I took a job somewhere else. And it was like almost, it was almost, I wouldn't say devastating to me, but it was that like that right at that crucial part of my life where I was like, I needed I'd already had produced all these years of having growing up with all these my best friends in the whole world. Yeah. Right. And your dad comes to you and says, sorry, but I got offered an awesome job at a way bigger school down by Cadillac, Michigan. And it's called Pine River. And you're going to go there now. And you're like, oh, the letdown, like just the feeling of being yanked out of your comfort zone, your friends. It was just it was dev. I, mean, I can't say devastating because that's too much, but it was. It was disheartening. Disheartening. Like you up, so yeah. hard to swallow that pill, you wow. know. And you're like, oh, you, you came out of the goofy that? side. You're finally catching your yeah, stride. I'm finally you're feeling like, like hey, maybe girls good. like might look at me now. And right, like, right. Hey, I'm not so goofy. I might have something here. <laughs> and so your dad comes to you. And he says, "Yeah, guess what? We're leaving. <laughs> we're selling the house and we're moving." And you're like, oh my gosh! So I then you finished that. out high school. Then I yeah, so in, I finished in my last three years are down in in Pine River High School. And what happened with the sports program there? Oh, it was not at all where uh-huh. I'd come from, and so which worked in my advantage in that I stood out significantly from a lot of the other kids there. But at the same time, it wasn't like I had to work so much harder because everyone there just wasn't that pride there you know like where where i could come from where everybody wanted to be part of those things now i'm at a school where like yeah maybe they do maybe they don't i don't know yeah well when you've got competitive people at least in my experience like the people who aren't as good push the people above them up and the people on top kind of pull up the little guys with them almost it's like everybody yeah. come comes up together it's like yeah high tide raises all boats you know kind of thing but when the tide's low and you're the best guy you usually come down actually you don't Cause you don't grow, you don't, yeah. there's nobody pushing you. It's really hard. And not only that, but now I'm stepping into a school that I didn't know anybody. Sophomore year high school. And I'm like the total oddball. Like all these kids had gone to school. Like I had just come from, they'd been together forever. And I'm like the new kid showing up. Right. And so like, what do you do to like adjust to that? And I remember my brothers having, a really hard time, especially because they were in sort of the same situation. I was there. All their little friends had grown up with them. They were all in like, except they were now in like more elementary, like kind of catching up and yeah. junior high. And like, I can remember my little brother, like crying in the lunchroom because he didn't have any friends. Right. And like right. thinking to myself, like, Oh my gosh, like how am I going to make it through this? Right. <laughs> and so, it kind of created this weird independence in me at that time in my life because okay. even though I tried really hard to fit in, I just couldn't seem to break through enough to like become part of like the core group of hardcore years. Friends. And then and you're coming in when there's only yeah, three years left. I only had three I mean, years left. Yeah, so now right. all the guys that I want to be friends with are looking at me like, well, you're just, you're the guy who's now the new threat to like, you know, 
you're going to be the one who wants to maybe date the girl that I like, or you're going to want to take my position on the field, or you're going to be the guy who I got to like worry about. So there's always this odd tension mm. in that situation that somehow molded me to have this like fiercely competitive, like independence where I was, it was just like, I needed to do anything I could for myself to just survive the last three years of my high school career. But yet, you know, not let anyone else kind of pull me back. And so I kind of makes sense for your career. A little dedicated bit. myself. Yeah. Just dedicated. I can't tell you. And my dad could see that in me and he knew that I certainly had potential. And so he, that really brought he and I closer at that time in my life. He brought me aside and he started training with me like every morning he'd wake up with me we did this like crazy workout program. It was called like cyber cybergenics or something. I don't even know how he got a hold of it, but my dad was a huge workout buff. Like his okay. idol was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay, and so when we bought this new this house down in Pine River in this little town called Tustin, um, he made it a point to he refinished the basement. He put this massive workout space down there, and he hung up these life size posters of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because well, like how how old are you right now? I'm forty three. Yeah, so like at 43, oh yeah, for sure. Your dad's like right at I'm the my age. dad's age when he was there. Right. I'm his age now. Yeah, he's only a little bit younger than Schwarzenegger, so yeah. your dad. Yeah. Because Schwarzenegger's in his 70s. Yes, yeah, so my dad's, dad's 67. Yeah, so he, yeah, he saw him kind of thing in the oh, yeah. prime, oh, end yeah. of the movies, the whole deal. Oh, yeah, he was obsessed. He grew up with him. Right. And so we would play rocky balboa soundtracks that's awesome every morning like no way at like six in the morning for a morning workout morning workout when you're in high school when i'm in high school as a sophomore and he's like pushing me i mean we didn't have like your like regular like work set i mean we had like the full-on bench bars squat racks he had it all down there i mean it was like because he was a huge guy to me Right, then, he was a mountain of a human. He was, right. like, massive. Right? Yeah, right. He, he well, you're like, a big dude now. Yeah, but I think, like, he was probably just as big as I was, but back yeah, then, like, felt, I looked yeah, at him, right. you're like, a scrawny kid. oh, yeah, man, right. he's so big. Yeah. But he would push me and push me and push me and push me and push me. And he backed way off as far as, like, the whole looking over my shoulder all the time and making sure, like, I was behaving. And he, like, kind of let that go a little bit and Started allowed me to just, like, yeah, just kind of grow into whatever I was going to grow into. And since I was had made friends, certainly had friends, you know, but I, to this day, I know I graduated with like 120 people in my class. I could probably only count on one hand how many people I remember. Wow. Because they were just became so unimportant to me after a while that, I mean, not during that time that they were all I had. Because that's all I had. There was nothing else to have. So, right. I will, but today I look back and it was such an insignificant part portion of my life, those last little three years, that I still, I've, I've never once kept contact ever with any of them, ever. So, and so, you so get I don't even of, know what they're doing. So, you get out of high school. Yep. Do you go to college anywhere? Do you, I do. What do you do? So, I was obsessed with getting a scholarship for football. Okay, for football. For football. Okay. And um, I, but my team was horrible. Oh, we were like the worst. We only won like one game. And no matter how hard I tried, it didn't matter. It's a team sport, right? It like, doesn't matter if you're good. If it doesn't matter sucks, if I problem. was the best guy on the team. 
and it wouldn't have mattered because I needed, you know, the other guys out there. And so we just got completely crushed all the time. And and I can remember trying to put like this highlight reel together of like all my greatest plays to send out all these coaches because I was doing basically doing my own recruiting. Right. Cause there wasn't no one coming around watching our games. Right. Right. <laughs> like, right. You're trying so, to get attention. Yeah. Right. And, um, I got some calls from Grand Valley State University and Ferris State that were interested in me coming down and doing like some training. But um, I'm going to back that up and then tie that in a second. I was, as I'm going into my senior year of high school, okay, um, you know, my parents were basically like, listen, you got three other brothers behind you, and we know you want to go to college, but we'll do the best we can for you, but either you got to get a scholarship or you're going to have to find a way to pay for your portion of the school. And I was like, oh, man, like, that's really tough. And I don't know why. Maybe it was just put on my heart somehow, even back then without even realizing it. But I remember getting a hold of a Marine Corps uh, recruiting poster that had an F-18 on it at the time. And it had, like, Marines. It had this jet, you know. And I thought, man, that would be just, like, so cool to do. But I didn't know back then how to get there. I just thought it would be really cool. And so as my senior year kind of progressed, I started talking to this recruiter. And he was telling me, like, hey, you know, if you want to fly fighters for the Marines, like, why don't you just join right now? Why don't you sign up as an enlisted Marine? Go use the reserves to help pay for your college. And you'll have that on your background. And then if you want to continue to, if you really want to do it after you graduate college or whatever, you can just go to OCS. And I thought, well, that sounds like a super sweet plan. Like, I never really thought of it like that. Had you, did you run this by your parents? Oh yeah. Okay. They were like, Hmm. Uh, I don't know about don't the know this. Yeah, right, right. Uh, you ever think of the army? I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. <laughs> or the Navy. The Na- Any, you know, so anything other than being a, yeah, right, like, right. But me, I was like, all the guy had to tell me was, well, we're the toughest, so and we're the hardest to get through. And I was like, oh, well, that's for me for sure. That's for me. Obviously. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. I'm not going to do the easiest. Why would I do that? Yeah. I so did you become a Marine? Yeah. I didn't know this. So two weeks after I graduated high school, I'm on a bus to, I'm on, I'm on a plane to San Diego, my second only plane ride in my life ever, to San Diego to go to boot camp. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And so I missed that whole first year of college. Yeah, okay. Because I was training in the Marines. Yeah. But it changed me. The Marines somehow, like... I didn't know you were a Marine. Yeah. Yeah, so once Marine, always Marine, right? So I was in the Marines... And I get out of boot camp. I was honor grad. I mean, of course. I mean, everything I did was like 100% all the time. Hard as I could do it. All, well, you're playing all Rocky in. Balboa at 6 a.m. Dude, I am like, all in You can go all to boot camp. You're going to be okay. No problems right, at boot camp. Right. You got the Didn't mental have any issues fitness at all. for it. The fitness was easy for me. Right. I mean, the only thing that was really hard was like, I mean, at, the, at first I was like, this is pretty serious homesick. Right. I'd never really been away. From your folks, yeah, your siblings, my brothers, yeah. But the Marines somehow took that little nugget of independence that I had first started when I was a sophomore in high school, and they took that and just like molded it into something powerful, mm. where they're like, "You can do anything you want." Yeah, like you are 
a badass. Yeah. Now it's good. Go conquer the world. And I like took that and I came back a changed guy. I came back with confidence that I never had before. Wow. I just not that I I don't know, I was just a little timid still. Yeah. You know, like they matured me, even though I was like I turned eighteen in boot camp in Pen- Camp Pendleton uh on July twenty seventh. Yeah, it was freaky. That was I had to have my parents had to sign for me to go there. Yeah, because you were a little yeah, too young still. I was too young. So then I get back, I check into my reserve unit and I start doing like the Marine Corps Reserve thing, like but I needed a job. And so I used the money that I had made from like boot camp and the reserves. Now I had like an actual income and I got a job working as a ski resort. And I say, oh, I was a, I skied like all winter long at Cabaret Peaks for that first year out of high school. And I, I, I think I skied like 80 days. It was crazy. <laughs> I got like really good. <laughs> I was a ski lift operator. I worked out all the time. Right. I was just like a total bomb. It's a dream life. Like living 18, at home. But I didn't let that like get, lose track because I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I just didn't need to wait time right. to do it. So I, I already taken all the ACTs and all that stuff. And so now I'm getting ready to go to college. And I applied to like Michigan State, Western Michigan, Central Michigan. I didn't even try for U of M. I knew I wasn't going to get in there. But I... But I thought really hard about where I was going to go. And I was like, okay. I knew that if I tried to get into like a college at Michigan State, I knew I wanted to still play football. But if I was going to go there, what were my chances of beating out guys that I knew that were going to be on my level or better? So I, was like, I, had, so I took a strategic gamble and went for St- Central Michigan University. Not that that is in any way a lesser of a university because they are really – Good. And there are times that they certainly beat Michigan State over and over again. But I didn't want to go to a D2 school. Mm. Just something about it. Right. I wanted to go to D1 school. Yeah. And so I got in. I was accepted. And I start my freshman year. And I walk on to the football team to do their football tryouts. Like beginning of August or middle of August. is like right after school starts. And I only knew one person there. And which didn't bother me, but uh, he had been trying out for the football team for like years and years and years, and somehow never got on. But he uh, he was important at that particular moment in my life because I walk on the football team, and they ask you like, "Well, what position you want to play?" I don't know. I was a running back, and (laughs) and I was a defensive back, right? So I was like, "Oh, I'll be a running back." But little did I know that I was. At that particular moment in my life, I wasn't quite smart enough to realize like all the other guys that are on the other ninety guys that are on that football team like are the best athletes out of their schools, right? Yeah, and running back is like <laughs> uh really hard position. Yeah. You gotta be super so fast. Super I hate tight. to say it, but I'm not the type of guy cut out for running back at at, at a D one school. Okay. Right, right, right. <laughs> Those are just some positions I'm just not gonna qualify for. So I didn't make it. And I was like, wow, like a little taken back, like, dang. That was like my very first like blow of you're not good enough. Blow to the ego. Yeah, like, hey, you're not good enough. And I was like, I took it as such a personal challenge. I was like, oh, heck no, I'm not good enough. And I was like, well, when is the next tryouts? Oh, they're going to be in the fall. And after football season is done, they're going to be in the – they're going to be in the winter before, and then you can walk on again. And I, like, set that goal, like, 
I guess I learned really, really early without even like reading any books or anyone telling me that you just need to set that goal and focus on that goal. Like focus, focus, focus on that goal until you get that goal. And then when you get that goal, just slide the goal forward and keep fighting for the next one. And so uh, now I'm in the Marines. I'm doing the reserve thing on the weekends and I'm going to college. And this guy, his name was Adam and he, kind of took me underneath his wing. He was a junior in high, in college at this time. And he's like, if you really want to make the football team, he's like, let's work out together. We'll do it together. We'll both try out together. That was, he was, was going to be his last chance. Yeah. And so I call my dad. I'm like, hey, I didn't make the team, but I, I'm going to try my hardest to make it in the uh, in the winter. He's I'm like, can you write me up a, a workout program to like help me? I'm like, I'm going to go out for like defensive back, but – I'm not big enough. I'm not strong enough. I need to like get there. And right. he's like, I'll do that for you. And so he writes me out this crazy workout program. Like most people look at that and be like, dude, no way you did that. And I was like, oh yeah, I did. Oh yeah. yes, I did. I scheduled my classes all in the mornings and every single afternoon from like four to six, I was in that weight room for six, five to six days a week, every single week for three straight months. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I so you put in the all time. in. My studies were going down the tubes. I wasn't failing, but I wasn't knocking it out of the park. Right. But I was focused on. But making, I'm jacked. But I was going to make the football. <laughs> yeah. But I was jacked. And I remember walking into the football office after that that second tryout, and they had they had I'd made the team. And I remember the head coach looking at me. His name was Dick Flynn at the time, and he was like, "I, remember, I think I remember you trying out uh, for the football team in the." Fall. I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. He's like, you look a little bit bigger now. I was like, yeah, I put in a lot of work. He started laughing. He's like, legit work though, right? I was like, yeah, man, what the heck? Yeah, that's awesome. Like, yeah, the assumption must have been that I must so have been like juicing or something. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, right, like, right. It wasn't, that wasn't real. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, and then that's how it started. I started playing football. And cool. Yeah, and I, I ended up like that next that would have been considered like a red shirt year anyway. So probably wouldn't have played. So the next year rolls around and sure enough, I'm like starting on special teams yep. and it just like starts to roll. And then I decide what's like the hardest degree I could get here. Oh, mechanical engineering. That sounds pretty hard. And I started going after that. And then I got into a fraternity and, um, ended up becoming the president of the fraternity in college. Okay. So I was like, God awful involved and like overwhelmingly involved in everything I could do. Yeah. And so here I am getting ready to graduate college and I'm on scholarship now, full ride scholarship for football. I still got, I'm just now finishing up with my Marine commitment. So that's over getting ready to graduate and it's time to go look for a job. Right. Right. That was when like reality hit. Right, right. Now I'm like about football. Okay, working out. Yeah, it was like all the goals I had suddenly are finished. Are finished. Right, and now you're like, where do you? Where do I go from here? But but success leaves clues. So like, I was, I was, I love that term. Success leaves signs and clues. So like, if you start as a kid working out, and then in high school you're like getting up early to be better at the sport, and then like the Marines, you start to draw like this this thread starts to like there's a pattern in your life right it's like you start to figure out like there's something i want i 
I work for it. I try, I try harder. I make it happen. There's this common thread though of success that you just kind of kept weaving. Yes. Right. And so when you got out of school, it's like, you might not, you might've felt like you didn't know what to do, but you probably felt a little bit like I always figured out. Like, you know I mean, like, cause you, yeah. you'd clearly already, yeah. you didn't know what to do at other times and you kind of always had this string of success and you sure. figured shit out. But at that know? point there was no guidance. Then we was right. like, Hey, go and do this. For some weird reason I like had got sidetracked off what my original dream was all those years ago. And like, I didn't even think about it at that time in my life. I don't know why. Like the poster wasn't up anymore. Ah, uh, yeah, right. Right. I didn't have the vision board of the Marine. The vision board wasn't on there right. anymore. And so I'm, I was lost. Yeah. And so I take this job. Um, initially. What was this first job? The very first job I got was down at a company called Lippert Components down in Goshen, Indiana. And they were building uh, travel trailers, frames for travel trailers. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like. Big over there. And so I get this job right away. I'm like going to be like a, a manufacturing engineer on a plant floor. And I'm going to be. And holy smokes. It was hard work. Not that I wasn't good at hard work, but I wasn't making like any money. And I thought, I remember scratching my head being like, whatever happened to all those people talk about like, Hey, you get that four year degree and Oh man, pockets can be bursting with the bills, baby. (laughs) Crushing crushing it. it. (laughs) Reality check. Everyone. We're going to that make is 20, not how 20, it works. 25 grand yeah. a year. Oh, shit. So I like buy this brand new truck and I'm like, woo, woo. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I can like barely make the payments on this thing. I'm like, not making any money, but I'm working really hard. And I'm How like, long did you stay at that job? Uh, a year. And then what? And I quit. And I was like, oh my God, I, gotta, I can't do this anymore. This is like impossible. And I was like, okay, I got to do something else. I got to do something else. And so I had already out of like some weird thing decided I wanted to just try to be like a financial advisor for a little while. Okay. And I was like, yeah. those guys make a ton of money. I got to do that real quick. <laughs> and once again, not focused on the real goal, but just like chasing after butterflies in my life for a second. Right. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'll just do that real quick because you know, I got to need to make some money and I like study, 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 study. I for like a month or whatever. And I like pass a series seven, pass a series 63 on my first try. And I'm right there. I'm ready to be a financial advisor. And like, okay, here's a phone. Just call these 200 numbers every single day, and you're going to book like 50 to 60 appointments. 90% won't show. 10% will. 1% will be, become your client. Just do that every day, and you're going to be super successful. And I was like, what? What, <laughs> what happened to like uh, where, where's with the, rich like, guys? Where's all the, uh, where, where's the rich guy money? I thought that's what I do. Don't have to manage money and like, with all these successful people making all that big, I'm like, they're like, uh, no. Right, no, you're going to no. cold call for 10 so years. You're going to cold call right. until you can prove that you can, you're can. you in it to win it. Then we'll start giving you bigger clients and bigger accounts. Right. And then eventually you will get there, but it's going to take a lot of time. And I was like, oh. So how long did that last? Six months. Okay. And I was like, I'm not doing this. But in that time, while well, I was like super depressed because I wasn't doing anything I liked, not happy. It like finally, it was like the light from heaven. He, you like, you get that like little thing in your head, and you're like, in the darkest, in the darkest, kind of it's thing. just like you're supposed to be a pilot, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I'm like, yes, I am supposed to be a pilot. <laughs> 
oh yeah, my dick poster. Yeah, like, right. And I'm like, I had the poster. Oh my god, the poster. I remember the poster, the goal, the plan, yeah. the plan, the plan, the plan. Wow, wow. I gotta get the plan back. And so I like it hit me so hard. I was like, that's it. Bam, I pick up the phone and I call the officer recruiter up in Lansing. I'm like, okay. hey, my name's Jason. I graduated college of mechanical engineering. I used to be a marine. I want to be a pilot. And he's like, huh? What do you say? Right. Uh, when can you come up here? I'm like, right now. He's like, no. How about tomorrow? I'm like, okay, time tomorrow. So I get in my car and I drive straight to Lansing. And I was, this time I'm living in Kalamazoo. And he's like, okay, so you, you, you did, you did the reserves for your five years. I'm like, yep. He's like, got out. I'm like, yep. He's like, okay. Um, got a college degree. I'm like, yep. He's like, okay, I'm going to need to see your transcripts. Um, you got to take this test though. It's called like the aviation entrance exam. And I'm like, okay. He's like, and so you got to tap past that and then we can sign you up if this is really what you want to do. I'm like, yep, that's what I want to do. He's like, okay. So I go right to Barnes and Noble, pick up the study book, read through it real quick. I'm like, no problem. Got this. Walk back up like a couple days later to take the test, pass it. And he's like, Hey man, congratulations. If you want to do it, it's all yours. I'm like, yes. And then you get to go to, it's like pilot school for the Marines. Oh no, 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 no. You got to go back through officer candidate school, which is like boot camp. All officers. officers. Okay. So he sits me down. He's like, all right, listen, (laughs) <laughs> You're not going to enjoy this part. I just want you to be ready for this. But, oh, no. Uh, you remember how, how you thought boot camp was, like, tough? He's like, this is going to be way tougher. I was like, oh. I'm like, I'm, I'm not. That doesn't bother me. He's like, no. It's going to be, like, really hard. And you're going to hate it way more than you ever thought you possible. And then you're going to have to go to the basic school for another six months. And then when you get finished with all that stuff, from a year or so from after you go, then you can try to be a pilot. He's like, but I can only guarantee that you can get a shot at it. And if you fail out, we got to let you go. You can't do anything else and you're done. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I'll give it a shot. And then he says to me, there's one other thing we need to talk about. So there's this thing called weight standards in the military and you're way overweight. And I go, come on, man. I like wanted to rip off my shirt and like, (laughs) I'm like, Rawr! he's like, yeah, that looks really cool. I know, but that's not how it works that's here. That's the problem. You're he's too like, big to be a pilot. So you need to lose like 40 pounds. Holy smokes. In like the next five months. He's like, I've got you a slot in October, but they're not going to let you in if you don't get at least close to 200 pounds. Yeah, I was they, like, want, they want the guys to be a certain yeah. weight to be in the fighter. He's plane. like, right. I'm like, what? I'm like looking at myself like, you gotta be kidding me, man! I was like shredded, big, huge, buff football player. Right, right, right. You have to lean out now. Playing like outside linebacker D one. I was. I'm like, how am I supposed to lose this weight, man? And he goes, I don't know. Stop lifting weights. Start running a lot and don't eat very much. That's a start. <laughs> I was like, oh, it was like devastating, man. I need another I workout like, plan. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh man. So did you go in? Did you do this? Yeah, thing? I did it. I made it. So you made it through all the way. Was it harder than you thought? Oh, it was super hard. <laughs> it's super hard. So what because, happened? But people don't understand is like, like, you know, 
the movies do this great job of portraying the officer like the goofy, dumb kid who's like doesn't know what he's doing while like the senior staff guy runs up there and takes charge and like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this guy is too dumb and inexperienced. Well that dumb and experienced guy actually is actually really smart and he's been weeded out through thousands of other applicants and he's really not that dumb. He's probably scared, but he's not dumb. Right. 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 And yeah. he's probably in crazy shape. Because you right. can't lead Marines if you're not going to be at the front. Yeah. Right? Right. So you got to be in the best shape out of anybody. And you got to be the smartest out of anybody. And they teach every single Marine officer to be a in, to lead Marines before you can do any other job. I see. Okay. They teach yep. you to be an infantry officer first. First. Okay. Because if, if, if anything hits the fan, you got to be able to step in and lead guys to, like, take the hill. Absolutely. Right? Yep. So that's your job. That's your first job. Everything else is just like Comes secondary. Yeah. 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 So then I go to pilot training and yeah. Then like two years later, I'm flying F-18s. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then, so you flew F-18s. Um, was that the only plane you flew or did you fly? I mean, I flew a bunch of trainers yeah, of leading course, up to that. Right. Leading up to like that. Little right, stuff here. Right. Right. As you're learning. But like every stage was always the same to me. It was like, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to work the hardest. I'm going to study the hardest. I'm going to put in all my time. I'm going to do everything it takes. Until yep. I get the, the next selection up. And it was like, the got to be first, got to be first, got to be first. But it was really hard because everybody else wants to be first. Absolutely. So you're not competing with like... You're not competing with losers. No, you're competing with Other the studs. absolute yes. top, top guys. Right. The, like everybody that's there is just like you. They're all super smart. They're all awesome athletes. And the only thing that's like distinguishing you apart is almost your physical body, what it can take like in the air. It. That's about it. How well you can take G forces and turns and, and your ability to malt to process multiple bits of information simultaneously, quickly, quickly, right, super right. fast. And so, um, flying F 18s. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, it was so awesome. Like a student pilot. I can't imagine what it's got to feel like to be strapped to two oh, rockets. How about the fact that I'm like, had never flown anything in my whole life. And I show up to flight school and they're like, you're going to get 25 hours in this Cessna 172. Then we're going to move you into a turbo prop, a tandem seat, T T 34 turbo mentor. You're going to get about a hundred hours in that. And then, then you'll get to select what, Aircraft you want after that, which in the Marine Corps it was jets, fixed wing, and helicopters. Okay. It was all depending on how well you did. And you're selecting against all the other guys in your class. Of course. And so the only guy who's guaranteed to get his top choice is the number one guy. And if he doesn't want jets, he might not necessarily get But you're also with the Navy at the time, too. Because now oh, you're okay. like Marine Corps, Navy, we're like all doing flight school at the same time. Yeah, they come together on that stuff. Yeah. Right. And so... um. Yeah, I was just always fighting to be first, so I always got what I wanted. And so yeah. when I got out of the flying that T thirty four, now I'm like probably like 150 total hours in, and I'm now I'm flying a tandem seat jet. Mm. I got like 275 more hours in that thing, and now I'm flying F 18s. So, like, do you think about total flight time, like how little it was? But the training is so intense, and the sim time was like, oh my god, it was, it was so crazy, psycho intense that like. Flying the jet was like a relief to really? get out of that From sim. the sim. Oh, yeah. Wow. And so, yeah, next thing you know, you're like flying F-18s off an aircraft carrier, and you're running missions. Wow. And you're tankering, yeah. and you're doing that for like a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. 
That's cool. So you did that. You flew F-18s for six years, six years. Yeah. Wow. Oh, so I had a 10 year commitment and, uh, finally did was able to get out and like basically restart my life. Yes. What do you do when you get out of the Marines from that long? You know, what, what, what was the first thought? Like I'm getting out. What well, am I going to go do for a living? This is, this is now, this is like me really opening up here is that, during that time that I was in the Marines, I was also like had this marriage. Okay. Like my, which is my first marriage. And so I could tell within the first like three years that this might not be like the best situation to have a family. And I was gone like all the time. Of course. All yeah. the time. Yeah, like, yeah. My daughter was born. I was, I was able to witness her birth and I spent like the first like month with her. And then after that, like, it would be so sporadic that, I mean, I, I calculated it up once after the first three years that I was in, when I was actually in the in my squadron. I only saw her for, like, six months. In her first three whole years. First three whole years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Gone. Just all Two and a half years. Time. Yeah. Right. Gone. I mean, I would have to, like, do these pre-recorded um, messages be reading these books to her. Yeah, it's not like FaceTime. Yes, yeah, that right. my mo- because there wasn't there was nah. Skype was like just coming online. We're talking like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Right. So Skype was like s- starting to build a little bit of momentum. Wait, so you were a pilot during the war? Yeah, during that. So Iraq were, and Afghanistan. Were you doing flight patterns out there and that kind of thing? Like, is that where you were? Not working? over Iraq. But okay, we were doing flight patterns over the, uh, like Afghani airspace. Okay, and yep. South Korea then because that that was when. Crazy Kim Jong Un was just s- taken over, wasn't it? No, not the young one. This is the middle one. Oh, Kim Jong okay. Il. Il. Yeah, yeah Il. Yeah. This is right after you had like sunk the South Korean destroyer, shelled the island. Yep. Tensions on the peninsula like crazy high. Sitting on the Korean peninsula for like six months over there, flying like these weird missions. It was like, yeah. Um, but all that aside, so I finally get back to the U.S. and I do. A couple like short tours with a couple of their squadrons because now I'm like really qualified. I've got like all the ratings and all the things I need to be like a senior pilot. Okay. And so I'm being asked by other squadrons to do some training with their guys for them getting ready for deployment. And now we're on like, we're on the full on deployment cycle in the Marines. It is like right. full on. Everyone's going every year. Multiple squadrons. Are yeah, going nobody's left out at that time. Nobody's left. Nobody, out. Even, even the reserves. reserves yeah. yeah, everybody. They're went. getting crushed. Yeah, right. And so you're you're supposed to be on your your quote like downtime tour, and they're like still pulling me away all the time. Pulling me away. Pulling me away. Pulling me away. Pulling me away. And it's like my wife is getting no attention. I'm not around. She doesn't like it. She's over it, and she's like, you know, time to it's time to call it call it call spades, babe. Right. And so she just she moves back to um, Indianapolis with the, my girls because I had two then, and it was basically like, "You got to figure it out. If you want to be a dad, you're gonna have to do something else, right? Like we'll try our best, but you know." So how long from the point that like she gets you get divorced, she leaves? How much longer are you in the Marines, kind of doing this? Like a six months, six months to a oh, year. Oh, wasn't real long. Yeah, well, I didn't have. Okay. Yeah, she wasn't gonna like blast out with like me not having like a chance to like to do anything about it yeah. right yeah Got so it. then yeah then i was like 
I guess I just had that 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 point in your life, and you're like looking at all these military families, and you're just like, divorce in the military is just as common as anything else. I mean, there's like an eighty some percent divorce rate. It's That's like crazy true. high. There's they talk a big game about support, but I could tell you anybody who's been in there will tell you the same story I am, and that is there is no support. It's all BS. They say they care, but they don't. They say they got the programs, but the programs don't work, and they're still trying to play catch up even to this day for all the guys that have served that are still right. trying to deal with all right, this right. stuff. And the, I mean, this whole podcast is about family, you know, faith, family, fitness. Yeah. Finance, so like, where know? do you, what do you do? It's like, what do you do? I mean, I, how can you even blame a woman when you're like, just, Oh, it's gone. all my fault. I mean, it, you're 100%. Yeah. I mean, you're, my it's fault. like you're a deadbeat dad, but you're not, it's yeah. just, but you're gone all <laughs> you're the time. Kid- <laughs> so it's, it's, the, yeah. it's the opposite. But yeah. It's like, there's nothing you can do about it. The no. army owns me or the Marines. Yeah. Own me. Right. It, it's uh yeah, it's tough. That's a tough game. Tough. And you're like, nothing you can do about it. So you leave, you get out. What do you do? I move back home. Okay. Yep. And I've started my, getting my application out. So initially, I had my application out to a bunch of airlines. But okay. The commercial airlines. Yeah, commercials, like okay. uh, American Delta United, United right? Like yeah. And they're all like, yeah, man, you just just don't have enough time yet. I don't have enough hours I don't to have enough people, hours. but I've flown F-18s yeah. off aircraft carriers. So I'm like super talented, but I'm just <laughs> not, don't have enough time. time. And that's that was like my first days of civilian aviation where they're like, they work at a totally different avenue. Right. Like they're not even on the same road. No. They're like totally different city. Yeah. And so I'm over here thinking like, I'm thinking I'm like Top Gun super awesome Which if guy people, people like, listening, if you understand, <laughs> like with planes, everything's about time in the front seat. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, it's like cares about. They, they, they count up hours for those who, you know, if most people aren't familiar with that, it's not like miles, it's time, yeah. it's hours. You build up all these hours. Yeah. They want a certain amount, thousands of hours yeah. or something like I mean, that. Right? They, don't even, they actually don't even care how talented you are. They just want enough to see how much time you got. Time you got. That's all that matters. Right. Because they'll just crashed. make you into whatever they want you to be. Right. And so they're like, hey, we really would like to bring you on, but you just need a little bit more time. I had just, I mean, I didn't even know this stuff. I, it, the military doesn't prepare you to, like, transition out into the civilian because they don't want you to transition. Right. They want you to right? stay there. They want you to stay there forever. Right. And uh, I made the choice, like, I got to focus on my family and be a better dad or my girls are going to grow up with daddy issues and they're going to hate me and they're going to lean on other men for love and all the things that, that you can affect children's brains by not being there and not being a role model. So you clearly knew you needed to be, I knew I could tell you knew I knew I could tell the, by the way my daughter was acting, uh, that it was starting to really affect her. Got it. And so I would made a decision that no matter what, I was going to just dedicate my time to fixing it. So how did you do that? What did you do for a living then? So I applied, like I said, to the airlines, and they're like, no. And so but all the regionals were like, ooh, we want you. I see. But there's a catch. <laughs> and the catch was you can fly right away for us, but we're not going to be able to pay you a lot of money. And I was like, well, like, what do you mean by, like, not a lot of money? And they're like, well... Like the equivalent of uh, like $10 an hour. 
no way. Yeah, way. To fly an airplane? For regional guys. And I was like, whoa. I'm like, I can't live on that. I'm like, my gosh. That's yeah. crazy. Like, yeah, sorry. But that's, you got to, you like, got to serve your time. And then. And you're thinking you sure. got to get your hours up because then you yeah, can get a job like, at American do, Airlines do, or something. Do? And right. so I run and do this. I've got all my stuff out on LinkedIn. I'm like, my complete transition was up in, on, in 2013. So I'd taken all my block leave, all the time I had left to give me like a full three or four months work just to figure it out. Okay. Right. And so during that time, I am trying to figure out where I'm going to live, what I'm going to do. Um, and I am on LinkedIn for the first time ever. And I get connected with this guy who sells aircraft. Okay. And he's like, hey, let's meet for lunch. So I'm like, sure. And so he's like, hey, I, um, you know, I sell aircraft for a living. And uh, I think you'd be like, I think we, you mean you could like work really well together? I was like, okay. He's like, and on top of that, I'll introduce you to this company out in Chicago that flies jets. Private jets. Private jets. Yep. He's like, I bet they'd love to hire you on. He's like, so what do you think? And I'm like, sounds like a plan to me. They're like, yeah, why yeah. not? Does it pay a real salary, <laughs> like, not $10 an hour? He's <laughs> like, hey, if you sell a jet, I'll pay you a commission. Okay. And um, and while you're working on selling jets, you can fly for these guys. I was like, okay, that sounds like a super cool deal. Sure, why not? So I get he, we meet up out in West Chicago, and we meet. I meet this guy and his name is John Bullock and he runs DuPage Aerospace. And he says, yeah, uh, we're looking for pilots. He's like, but you know, you don't really have any ratings or anything at this point. So like, what do you like? We got to figure that out. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, yeah, like you got to buy that rating to fly those jets. Like every jet comes with its own type rating. And, you're going to have to like figure out how to get that. And I was yeah. like, well, how much does that cost? And he's like, it's going to be like $20,000. I was like, whoa. So what? you need, so you need, so explain that really quick. If you want to fly, what do you fly now? What's the plane? I fly a Gulfstream G280. Okay. So the Gulfstream G280 requires a class or a SIM time or something it's in order to get rating. approved for that plane. Yes. So right. the FAA requires every jet you fly for commercial use yep. you have to go to a faa certified school and be signed off by a instructor that you are now qualified to fly that aircraft got it before you even fly the actual jet you got to go do all the sims and the study and the work so you need another 20 grand to start so your new like, job come on now at this point in my life i had met my now wife okay um out in san diego before i moved or right as I was transitioning out here. And uh, yeah, that was about the time <laughs> where I basically, we started dating for like a couple months, maybe like eight, maybe maybe a full year where we're like full on dating now. And it came down to that point where I was like, I'm going to anchor down here. And I had to give her this horrible ultimatum, but Obviously, it paid off now. Right, right, right. <laughs> in retrospect. But, you know, once again, putting the cards on the table. I was basically like, uh, you either got to move out here or this ain't going to work. Right. Sorry. 
Yeah. Well, this is where I'm going to be. Right. And she was like, okay. She just rolled. Packed her stuff. And she still had, she was still going through a divorce with, or finishing up a divorce with her husband. She had kids and we're like, we'll make it work. Yeah. So you guys are a blended family now. Now we're a blended family. It's big, gigantic, massive blended family. How many kids total between the two of you? Eight. 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 Eight kids. <laughs> so many kids. Yeah, that's awesome. All you Northwest Indiana people listening out there, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Eight kids. Okay. So she, she, now, now she's, she was with me that day. She says to me, dude, you got, use your VA benefits and call USA and we'll figure it out if they can get, give you like a personal loan. Yeah. And do it. Do it. So were you able to get a loan? Yeah. Cool. Got it all paid for. And I went down there by myself and did it. Right. Got the cert. Got the cert. And was like, but it was different because now it was like, I'm, it was all or nothing. Right. Like when you're, when you got not, when you don't have anything to look forward to, this is all you got left. I mean, even though you've given up something super awesome and you've, decided you're going to change your life and live it differently and do something better. But that's still all you got. Right. You're going all in. Right. And I'm an all, I mean, I'm all in now. Right. And so I had just used my, I used my VA to sign for a house in Hobart. And because at that time, Felicia and I, my now wife, um, were living at a condo kind of renting a condo in downtown Chicago. And so we were like, all right, we got to get a house. We got to get all this stuff put together right now, 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 now. So sign up for a house, got to go to school, get that done with. And then that's when it all just took off. Wow. That's cool. So then, so you, now you fly private jets. You've been doing that for how long? Hey, since 2013. So eight years. Eight years. Yeah. And then, um, and then do you still broker? Yes. Okay. So that guy. So, yeah. So tell me about the so that guy. Before, before we run out of time, let's talk about that side. That guy, the brokering. He um, opened the door for me to like a whole new world of jet sales that I didn't even know existed. I didn't, had no idea. I mean, I always wondered how people got those, but I never really knew the process. Yeah. But he like took me under his wing and he showed me the ropes in a lot of good ways and bad ways. I mean, he showed me that if you're not careful, you can get screwed over really hard. Guys will just, like, take you for uh, your money. Yeah. He And by doing it to me, actually, he opened my eyes. Um, but he taught me a really good lesson, and that was uh, you got to trust, 100% trust the people you're working with. You have to... Um, Really be open and honest to the clients you're working with. I mean, in crazy honesty, because these people have got lots and lots of money, and they don't want to be jerked around. Right. The second they sniff that, like, you're might not being truthful with them, you're trying to sell them a load of goods. Like, the word will get out quick because it's not a. This is a very small niche market, and they don't. I work with a decent amount of like fairly high net worth people that I'm either friends with or or clients of my of my firm, and. I actually, I love working with the higher net worth is the almost better because they, uh, they just have this thing like no bullshit. 
Yeah. You know, it's just, they'll be really direct. Sometimes like to, you're like, wow, that was almost mean you know, or whatever, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but it's like, you know what they want? They're straight about it. Yeah. And then if you're honest and you don't ever lie to them, it's like, it creates a good relationship, you know, because it's just like, you're both straightforward. Yeah. So, I mean, and, I mean, you're talking about selling planes. Yeah. Millions I mean, of dollars. Millions of dollars. Millions and millions of dollars. Purchase. I mean, it's yes. a single purchase. That's yes. Three, four, five, ten plus million dollars. Yeah. I mean, but I didn't know anything about it. And I didn't realize how much I did not know. There was so much. But because of what I was doing as a pilot, and since I was actually flying the jets, I was not the, I was selling the same models of jets that I was flying most, a lot of the times. Right. Okay. To just other clients. And so my knowledge of the aircraft was just a, another way to help me sell. Because I knew everything about them. I knew how they worked. I knew the ins and outs. I knew all about the inspection yeah, you literally cycles. have your hands on them. I'm in them all the time. Pilot, right? Yeah, so I was like, it's like being the car mechanic who's selling you the car. He knows everything about it, right? right. Yeah. And so they give me an advantage. For sure. I could talk to these guys with have immediate answers and sound very like educated because I was. Right. And they could trust me. Right. You, you didn't know? read it out of a manual. Yeah. It's like, you're like, no, I know the handling characteristics like, of this thing, everything. That allowed me to get my first sale underneath my belt, and then the next sale, and then the next sale, and then that led me right into the guy that I'm working for now. Gotcha. Which was just like the craziest twist of events. I mean, I'm flying this guy, and he tells me I want to buy a jet, and I want you to help me get it. And I'm like, yeah, sure, problem. And then he throws out this caveat, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to buy it unless you fly it. And uh, I was like. <laughs> so he wants you to be his pilot. Yeah. Just like everybody else did, though. Right. And I was everybody like, says yeah, that. sorry, buddy. Like, sure, sure you do. But I'm already worked for the guy I already sold this jet to. Just like the guy before me wanted me to fly that one. And I was trying to be telling him, like, it's, that's not, I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I will be here and I will help you find whatever is was right for you. I promise. But uh, I, I just don't, don't think I'm interested. And he kept He was so very for persistent. Like, no, 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 you got it. You, I got to I know the type of people I want working for me. You're the type of guy I want. So come on, let's do this. And I'm like, <sighs> I don't know. And um, I had just prior to meeting him, met with my first life coach ever. Okay. Uh, and I can remember him sitting down and telling me like, you need to know what your own worth is. It's good. Right. Yeah. How much do you think you're worth? Right. Like you got to know what that is. If you don't believe that there's a number out there for you, or that you're worth a certain amount of money or value, then you're never going to believe that you deserve that sure. much money or respect or anything else in the world, right? I net those words like never got out of my head. I remember thinking to that as he's asking me these questions, and I remember looking at him and saying, "Buddy, you can't even afford me." Like I'm telling this to a guy who can buy anything he wants, <laughs> yeah. right? You're telling this to a guy who can legitimately <laughs> buy a private jet, <laughs> can like throw like twenty million dollars down on the table right now and say, "Yeah, right, I can buy this jet. I can buy two, five of these right now." Right, right, right. And he looks at me back. He goes. Oh, well then why don't you write down a number that you think you want on this piece of paper and give and just slide it over to me. Wow. 
It's like the movies. Yeah. Like you legit were in one it's of like those It's like Moneyball, man. Money just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like Brad Pitt opening right. up the freaking letter at the very end of the movie. He's like, write it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. I'm last I thought about it for a second. I'm like, how much do I think I'm worth? I'm like, okay. So I wrote a number down. I slid it back down. I'm like, this is how much I want every year. I said, that's just to fly you. And he like looks at it for like he's like this, yeah okay, that fast. Welcome aboard. Wow. Yeah. And then you helped him get the jet. Of course. I got him his first jet, and then we got him a second jet. Okay. And now we're working on a third. Wow, that's sweet. Yeah. Wow. Um, and he just like totally took off. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could. So, I mean, I love planes. I'm like a plane freak. So, like, I could talk about planes all day. But like, just just to give people a scope, I think. Just give people an idea. You're flying, you've, you know, probably to Florida a lot. Oh, yeah, like that, lots, right? sure. So, like a, a commercial flight. Yeah. Right? Oh, you want to, oh, I see where you're going Let's with Let's play this, this game. Yeah. Because people don't really know. Okay. People go, oh, so, it's, a, it's a jet. They don't really get it. They, they don't get it. They don't get no, it. No, 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 no. It's not like the same. No. So, you see, like, all these people that fly, like, first class, and they fly in the airlines, and, like, I'll give you a great example. You see that there's this pretty popular show out there called TMZ. Right, yeah, and they're sure. always like snooping around the airport, like LAX, right, looking for the celebrities to come out of the airport. Okay, the people that we fly, they don't go to that side of the airport. Although I have gone into the private side of LAX, you don't ever see TMZ hanging out there. It's like very exclusive. So Not for all the you don't know this, most airports have a private area that's secretly set aside somewhere else where all the private jets go. Like there's one at O'Hare that nobody knows about. Yeah. There's one at Midway. Nobody on the knows other about. side of the, it's on the other side of the airfield. So it's not always on the other side where everybody else is not yeah. allowed. And so, um, like for instance, um, <laughs> and I've flown a lot of famous people. Yeah, lots. Um, so when uh, let's say that Josh is, decides he wants to book a flight for me, and Josh wants to go down to Naples, Florida, and he says, hey, I want to fly out of uh, Valparaiso, or let's just say a big airport like Midway. We say you want to fly out of Midway. Uh, you'll drive up to the airport, and I'll ask you, like, well, what time do you want to leave? And you'll say, I don't know, noon. I'm like, okay. And so normally when most people are going to the airport two hours prior, going through to park their car and getting their luggage and starting to go through TSA and security, whether you got the pre-check, pre-check or not. whatever, <laughs> global entry, whatever, doesn't mean anything. It, nobody cares. Uh, here, you're already pre-checked before you even show up, so we already know you're pre-checked because we already check you. Right. And so Josh is going to pull up to the gate, and there he's going to say, Josh Mock here, I'm with uh, the Gulfstream jet. And they're like, oh, come on through. And so you're going to drive your car out onto the ramp, right up to the jet and a bunch of guys are going to run out there and they're going to grab your keys and they're going to park your car for you. And a bunch of other guys are going to go grab all your luggage and you're going to walk up on the stairs and we're like, you ready to go, Josh? Be like, yep, ready to go. And then all your high end food and catering and wine and drinks are all going to be ready for you on ice. Might even be a flight attendant there. We're going to close the door, start the engines and we're going to take off. Yeah. And how, like, much, no. how much faster is a jet like that? For instance, I get on a United flight, it takes off. Yeah, we so take we off usually, same time, let's say. How much um, difference are we looking at? We're going to get you there like probably anywhere between 15 and 30 minutes earlier. Gotcha. Yeah. 
and the, not to mention the ease, oh, of course, that we like, already talked about. When we talk about it's ease, even, it's like, because when you land, let's say we land in Florida, right? there's going to be a car, we're going to land, as we're getting, as we land on the, uh, at the, on the runway, we're going to call the, op, the fixed-based operator, the private hangar people, and we're going to yep. say, hey, we're here with, uh, you know, Josh, he's got a party of two, can you have his car pulled out to the jet? So the second we shut down, the door opens, your car's right there, door's already open, and you just walk out in your car and you drive off. Yeah. Right? And then to make it even more crazy is like when you come back internationally, um, like, a, for instance, we go through um, Naples to clear customs out of the Bahamas like a couple of days ago. Yeah. And like they get on board and they're using uh, the customs people there at the private ramp are using facial recognition software on their iPhones to clear you. Wow. They walk on the jet, they put the phone up to your face, and it'll be like, bling, you're cleared, bling, cleared, cleared, cleared. Like, all right, anybody got anything to declare? Nope. See you later. Roll Go on. on. Unbelievable. There's customs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, without getting, I mean, the main thing is that people don't really understand about private jets is that the people who are flying them, it's not just about the money. Oh, because like it, no. it's, it's about the time. It's time because time, time is money. Is money and time yeah. is time. People say time can't be purchased, but it can in the form of a jet yeah. or whatever. You can buy. I just time. flew this guy yesterday, who's a big time. He sells railroad cars okay. all over the all over the North America, right? And he had a bunch of meetings he had to go to, but he wanted to be there personally. Mm. So we pick him up in Chicago, fly him to Cleveland. He's got a two hour meeting in Cleveland. Gets back on the jet. Flying down to Fort Myers, to our meeting at Fort Myers, gets in the jet. Flying back to Chicago, he's down for the day. Yeah. Done. There's no other and, way to do that other than a private no, plane. there's not. You couldn't have made those deals. No. Those deals he, could make him God knows how much yeah, money. Yeah, because he wants to be there. And right. he can do two deals in one day, one in Cleveland and one in Florida, and still be back for dinner. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. So, um, yeah, so, you, you, of course... Uh, Oh man, what a, we could go into like the, the beauty of, of that business, but so you're still selling jets, still selling jets. Um, so cool. I can't wait to buy a plane from you. That's the goal, right? Uh, yeah, that's always the goal. <laughs> um, I but, can't wait to be a plane for me. Yeah. Right. You want to buy your own plane, right? <laughs> I want to be the guy who rides in the back. Yeah. yeah. Sell enough of the other ones you get to ride. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. all right. So, um, just as we, just, so we don't get too long in the tooth today. Um, have you had any particular mentors that really pe- impacted your life? You know, uh, and, and how did they? You know, I start from the from the beginning, and it's not like it's a cliche, but my parents were very influential with me early on in my life. And then it became um, my coaches, right? Yep. Um, um, so my high school football coach was also my track coach. He was huge as far as influence in driving into me this desire to, if you want to be the best, you got to train like the best. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't think people today realize that you can't get something for nothing. It doesn't matter what part of your life that is. Right. Nothing's free. There's no handouts in this world. And so if you want to be successful, you got to work at it as hard as you can, just like a athlete would. Right. I mean, you work at your business like it's like it's a sport to me. That's how I look at it. Right. Um, after that it was, um, 
<sighs> Who would be the... Did you have any huge mentors while you were in the Marines? Anybody that you really looked up to? You know, the guys that I... Yeah, I had one particular. He was my operations officer um, when I was in the Marine Corps. Um, his call sign was Tuck. And he really took me under his wing and developed me as a true professional. Like he molded me to be, to see that it's not just about flying jets. Mm. It wasn't just about being a Marine, but you have to be a professional. He's the one who taught me about work hard, play hard. Right. I can't remember what the saying was. I wish it was something like, if you want to like play with, if you're going to play with the owls, you better learn how to soar with the eagles or something. There's a yeah. saying like that yeah, yeah. where it was, if you want to go play at night, you better be able to get up in the morning and go soar with the eagles. Mm-hmm. And there's so much truth to that. Like, you can screw off all you want. I don't think most people don't care. Right. But you better show up the next day ready to work. Right. Put your work in and do the best you can. And I, to be honest with you, the, the mentor that I have right now um, is my boss. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The guy is has taught me a lot, a lot about life and the lessons that he's learned. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be, not not got to be, there is a, it is a fact because I, I know it from my own life, but there's, there's success in proximity. Yeah. You're just close to people who are highly successful, and that's going to make you more successful. Yeah. Right? His mantra was, I'm going to surround my myself with the best people I can because they're going to make me the best person I can be. Right? So good. And so by me being around all of his best people, it makes me want to be the best, right? And yep. it just kind of like seeps into you somehow. And when you go out to dinners or you're with those people, you know, I hang out with the guy who runs the boat, right? The yacht. Yeah. Right. I hang out with the people that run his properties, uh, paying with him and they just being around those people, you all work together to make each other better. Yeah. Right. It's good. Even though he's kind of like, you know, in the middle while we are like kind of, on the spokes of his life right now. Of course. But he's still... You're you know, part of his team that yeah. makes him operate. Yeah. Yeah. And it's taught me so much about patience and business and dealing with uh, employees. And there's just so much that goes into it. There's so many more life lessons that he's kind of like pushed on me that have made me become more successful now. Yeah. Yeah. So... it's good. Yeah. So if you if you had to, this is always my final question. If you had to sum up, sum up your philosophy, because I mean you've got you know, your faith person, you got a family, a big family. You know, you're running your business, you're always into fitness, keeping yourself fit, that kind of thing. You know, um, but if you had to sum up your philosophy on life in in, in a pretty kind of a short way, mm. what would that look like? Um, Never stop setting a goal for your life ever and never stop driving to achieve that goal, but don't ever let that goal come before your family because, because at the end of the day, and I, and I, I, and I will, I, I just need to like, so everyone can hear to this, like understands my boss, he has told me this over and over again, his biggest regret in life. 
no matter how much money he made or how successful he was and all his billions of dollars he's got, he can never take back the time he lost by not spending time with his kids. Yep. Ever. And at the end of the day, and like the greatest, whether it was a real quote or not, by when Steve Jobs, you know, that supposed last words that he's speaking to his sister and he says, you know, he's trying to tell her the lesson of life. And he says, it doesn't matter how much money you made, you can't take it with you type of deal. There's all the truth in the world to that because at the end of your life, as much as you want to be successful and you want to provide for your family and leave an inheritance to your children, at the same time, they're the only ones that are going to be there at the end. Right. That's right. Right? Yep. Man, you just summarized the whole, this whole podcast is, you know, when we have these conversations that all five of those spokes, faith, family, fitness, finances, friends, they all really matter. Like they're really, really important. And if you like, you could end your, you could get to the end of your life and like have no friends, Yeah, you know, or you could have, so you could have all the money in the world, but like your family's not there. You don't have any real friends. Yeah. You know, that kind of, well, it it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. Like it's not going to be fulfilling. It's not going to feel right. You're not going to have real joy unless you have all five of those areas. Like nobody's 400 pounds and feels good. No. You know what I mean? Like yeah. fitness is important. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you, you got to feel good health. You got to feel good with your family and like your relationship with your wife or your husband. And they're just all important. And there you go. Like right from a billionaire saying, I screwed that up. I leaned yeah. too hard. And it doesn't matter how hard he tries now to make up for it. You can't. It's too late. It's gone. Yeah. It's gone forever. He blew it. Blew it. Yeah. And he's his biggest regret. No matter how much he tries to make up that time, it's too late. Man, right? that's powerful. Right. Wow. And so I always think about that now. Like, and I force myself, no matter how much I work, I force myself to take time off to spend time with my kids and my wife and let them know that they're loved and I love them. And otherwise, you know, what's my point? Right. What's it all? Right. What's, what's, what's what am I doing? Right. So yeah. where, uh, you got a really cool Instagram channel cause you're always showing your, your, yeah. uh, your, your travels cause <laughs> you're flying around on a jet. So you're going to lots of places. So where, where do people find you on Instagram? That kind of thing. Oh, it's Hayes Aviation LLC, um, is my Instagram. So H A Y E S aviation, like just how it's spelled LLC. And you can go see some pretty cool, I guess pretty cool photos of the jet. Vid- a lot of cool videos on there of kind of like what it is that I do, where I go things that kind of we get to experience but don't think that it's always like that right off the bat of course yeah people ever think that everyone looks at me like i want to be a pilot i want to fly around like yeah it's only going to take like 10 15 20 years well you'd be here too you just heard (laughs) yeah you just heard the whole story of how it took to get to that point and it wasn't an overnight success thing so uh, man, well, I really thank you for being on what a blast his link i'll have his link to his instagram on here for you guys and um, yeah, really appreciate you being here. It's a good time. Yeah, thanks, Josh. All right, thanks, man.